Welcome to Machine Learning. I'm going to talk about a book called Why Does E Equal MC Squared? Energy is conserved. You can increase here, energy here, but you'll have to lower it there. So what it suggests is there is an equation. And energy um, can either be created nor destroyed is the idea. Conservation of energy. So raw mass provides a potential source of energy. Energy can be in the form of mass or kinetic energy. Uh, e equals mc squared plus one-half uh, mv to the second power suggests that one-half mv to the second power is the kinetic energy of the moving mass. And we see that work in the law of conservation of energy when you calculate mass and velocity and potential energy. Uh, potential energy uh, is converted into kinetic energy. And so energy, mass, and momentum combine into a single space-time object. Energy, mass, and momentum. Momentum being the kinetic energy. So uh, basically just iterating the equation E equals mc squared plus one-half mv to this, the uh, second power. Space and time cannot be thought of as separate entities. Yeah, I mean, if you look at time as the traversal of space, they can't. you cannot think of time without thinking of space and space without time. Now, this is, this is keeping with the idea that there aren't uh, other dimensions. So the uh, multi-universe is not valid according to this theory and makes more sense to me. I don't like the multi-universe, uh, the idea of, of millions of dimensions is very baffling. Okay, at Brookhaven on the 14 meter ring, a muon could make 15 laps, but in reality it completed 400 laps, a factor of 29 or 60 microseconds. Hmm. So explain how it did that. The prediction is that, so lambda equals one divided by the square root of one minus V divided by C to the second power. That's the left side of the equation is equal to one half divided by the square root of one minus 0.9994 to the second power or 28.87 or 29. So it just turns out that lambda is 29. So it completed 400 laps, a factor of 29, when it should have only completed 15. The prediction is that the muon should live 29 times longer than a muon that is still because of its kinetic energy and speed. The large electron-positron collider, LEP, managed to make over two, 20 million Z particles through the electron-positron collision. Z particles are not stable and last 10 
to the minus 25th power seconds before dying. Very, very short period of time. Z particles sometimes decay to produce an electron and a positron pair. So the idea behind a positron is that's the anti-electron. Another, and it's always interesting to me when Data says he has a positronic brain. And how does it, his positronic brain is stable is um, an antimatter brain. Hmm. So is it somehow paired with electrons? Don't know. But it's it's interesting that he would call his brain a positronic brain um, rather than an electron-based brain. So electron and positron pair, and other times a quark and anti-quark. So some form of advanced uh, particle theory for how his brain worked. So quark and anti-quark, sometimes a muon and anti-muon pair, and an electron-positron, a tau and an anti-tau um, pair. So you kind of get an idea that there's a symmetry or even almost like a supersymmetry. So in one argument I heard, uh, how did antimatter win over matter? If it ever, if the universe was perfectly symmetrical, and they said, well, it was. It's just slightly non-symmetrical, allowing matter to uh, increase over antimatter. Well, and then the idea of quark theory or natural, uh, the natural mechanics of force, suggests that matter is infinite; that is being created all the time. There is no end to space. There is no end to matter, and I and I like that idea uh, better than the supersymmetry idea that matter won over antimatter. It's more difficult to understand why. Okay, uh, gauge symmetry lies at the heart of the standard model. Gauge symmetry requires that a standard model be massless. Abandoning gauge symmetry is not an option. The explanation of mass must be a Higgs field that surrounds all space and a Higgs mechanism where particles interact with the field are given mass. Photons acquire no mass. And that's what we were talking about early, in a previous podcast of the strangeness of light. Okay, you have light, which is both a wave and a particle, a particle being the photon, and the properties of electromagnetic spectrum, so we have different uh, wavelengths that we can see. And then we have other wavelengths that are shorter frequency that we don't see, and they um, are being emitted by electromagnetic force or energy force. So it's a wave that's moving. So that if you look at the sun uh, and, the, and the time it takes to travel from the sun to the earth, a um, few minutes at the speed of light, and what's happening is there is both photons and um, electromagnetic waves, frequencies, that are being emitted by the sun. So, going back to the Higgs, the Higgs mechanism interacts with quarks and leptons, but not photons. The Higgs field has a particle called the Higgs-Bonson, the God particle. The Higgs 
uh, field is not zero, it always presents around space. Gluons have no mass and are affected, not affected by the Higgs field. The Higgs particle mass should lie within the range of known masses of the W particle and the top quark. The large Halron Collider is expected to have enough energy to create the Higgs-Bonson. Did it? Did it create a small black hole? Don't know. Uh, protocols are accelerated and kinetic energy transferred, giving the protons 7,000 times their mass. Hmm. Well, okay, so that that equation we talked about E equals mc squared plus the kinetic energy. So by adding the kinetic energy to the proton, it is actually increasing its mass. So now we have a proton that has more mass. The proton is two up quarks and one down, and that gives it that positive charge because quarks, up quarks have, I think, one half charge and down have a negative half. So you get the positive charge. The Higgs particle can interact with the two top quarks or with the two heavy W and Z particles. The two protons collide and emit a W or Z particle, and these two particles fuse together, fuse together to form the Higgs particle. The process is called weak Bonson fusion. Again, this sounds like transmutation. It's super difficult to understand how that could happen. Or nuclear um, synthesis, where you get a new form of matter due to energy um, being added to the particle and through high-speed high collision, the c collision then overcoming the barriers of these particles and, over, and forming a Bonson. Okay, so this is a book. Will we go along with the, the idea? Um, difficult to understand. It'll be interesting if you, as a listener, understand the Higgs particle. But what they're saying, though, is this Higgs field is important because the Higgs field is uh, interacting with all the mass around. And, and so um, it, it is important. Okay. Now, how do W and Z particles help to make the standard equation work? Because that's really what we're, we've, we've been talking about is the Higgs field. Photons have no mass, and the Higgs field mechanism does not interact with the photon. W and Z bonsons are the part of the standard equation and represent the weak nuclear force. W represents the positive and negative force, and Z represents the neutral force, W and Z. Why don't photons have mass? Photons are energy or a wave and cannot interact with the Higgs field. Photons interact with charge fields. Hmm. So it's interesting. So basically you're saying that the photon is energy or a wave, and the only way that it can interact is with charge fields, but it can't interact with something with mass.
All right. Well, those were, um, that was based on a book called Why E equals MC squared.